my goal is to do the minimal amount of editing as possible. I don't like to edit. I like leaving sounds of life and all those kind of, you know, snap, crackle, pops of the conversation just be. Salutations. Welcome to Spiritual Blitherings, Philosophical Ponderings, and Everything Ramblings at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. This is a Just Some Guy production, and I'm that guy, your host, Steve, the Hopeful Humanist. Today, we're going to talk about ideas and flow, the good life and resources for our spiritual toolbox. Today, I'm excited and grateful to have Daniel Sun and Captain Jack with me. We are just three ones. And today we're gonna to share an organic discussion about an episode from the Psychology Podcast by Scott Barry Kaufman. This Psychology Podcast is the resource I'd like to focus on today and encourage other people to check it out. Specifically, though, we're going to explore an episode that was called How William James Can Save Your Life by existential American philosopher John Kegg. We're going to start off with a word of the day, a quote, and an orienting question. But first of all, I just want to welcome my two wonderful guests, my spiritual brothers, Daniel Sun and Captain Jack. How are you doing today? Excellent. Thank you. Uh, happy to be on here with you two fine gentlemen. I'm going to have to think that over, Steve. I don't want to commit to anything just now. But as soon as I know how I am, I will let you know. No, it's 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 a real joy. Uh, I, I, I appreciate the two of you, I guess maybe I could say humoring me, because I don't think that you're regular listeners to the Psychology Podcast by Scott Barry Kaufman. I listen to it often, and I find a lot of his uh, different discussions quite intriguing. And this one in particular kind of caught my interest, because I am... As, as you know, uh, Captain Jack, quite fond of, or I have been fond of, uh, existentialist thinking, Jean-Paul Sartre and Camus. And um, I'm also very, very interested in William James. And for the longest time, uh, I've had uh, his, uh, that quote that we've uh, discovered in this episode, uh, kind of like as a bumper sticker for my life. Um, but uh, before we get into that discussion, I just want to say uh, the word of the day I, I picked was I think I'm saying it right, peripatetic, peripatetic. And uh, I'm sure Captain Jack will have something to say about this, but it's of or relating to the philosophy or teaching methods of Aristotle who conducted discussions while walking about in the Lyceum of ancient Athens. So the reason I picked this is I, I feel like in, in many ways, even though we're at a distance, we're kind of joining each other for a, a nice philosophical conversation. I kind of just I think it's a wonderful thing to do, uh, to be able to go for a, a walk and talk. And in terms of Buddhism, uh, they talk about this uh, thing called, a, I, I think it's called a Sangha. And, and that's a reference to a community. And today, I feel like we've, we're creating some community. So uh, peripatetic. Um, you're familiar with that word. I, I take it, Captain Jack. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, you know, it refers to sort of a different way of saying Aristotelianism, really. There are times, though, when people, they're not necessarily using it in that kind of uh, reference point, but more this idea, I think, of uh, a good old-fashioned walk and talk. Am I correct? Um, I guess. I'm not sure. The way I always uh, hear it, I, I think Aristotle and, uh, and his followers. And as soon as you get into isms of any sort, when people say Aristotelianism or peripatetic you know, philosophy, the question is, well, you know, what, what do we mean by that term, of course? Are we talking about... Aristotle from the Nicomachean Ethics? Are we talking about Aristotle's science? So I don't know. It's These things are never clear cut. 
Okay. Well, and that's going to be the nature of this conversation too, because there's some kind of big perennial questions that uh, John Cake uh, tackles. Um, so yeah, so we'll move on to our, our quote for the day. Out of everything that I took from this discussion, this one quote captured me. Uh, it's it's suggesting my my kind of like short frame of it is that, you know, really we, you know, if we look at life, it's nothing but a nick in time. Um, and the quote is, in any weather, at any hour of the day or night, I've been anxious to improve the nick of time and to notch it on my stick too, to stand on the meeting of two eternities, the past and future, which is precisely the present moment to toe that line. That's uh, Henry David Thoreau, 1817 to 1862, an American author, a transcendentalist. And uh, yeah, I feel like right now, you know, in terms of this nick in time, uh, this is a great way for me to use my time. And we're going to be talking very much about that, you know, what makes a moment or what makes life worth living. And so the, uh, the question I'm just going to throw out there is, uh, in terms of trying to understand this this episode, you know, as we all share whether we got something from it or if we didn't get something from it, I think Danielson, you were more likely to grab something from it than you were, Captain Jack. But um, so to orient ourselves, we all work with youth. Uh, I work with teens. Uh, the both of you work with uh, youth stepping into young adulthood, and so I'd like to kind of paint this picture. We're approached by a young wounded soul a seeking soul we're having a conversation we're going for a walk this walk and talk and uh, the young person comes over and asks us what i guess we we can call a privileged question and that is uh the young person says uh, good sirs uh, kind gentlemen is, is worth is is life worth living and how can philosophy pragmatically save my life and i think that that's what uh, john keg was trying to tackle so um, we can start anywhere, but that's kind of a question maybe we can come back to. So I'll uh, put it out to you first, uh, Daniel Sun. What did you think of this episode and uh, what did you take from it? And, and in terms of that question I asked, what are some thoughts you might have about that? Um, yeah, I, I listened to it a, a couple of times and uh, my, uh, my training in, in philosophy is not uh, terribly deep. Uh, names like uh, Kierkegaard and, and, and Nietzsche don't uh, necessarily resonate with me too much. Uh, William James, uh, I have been familiar with. Um, I, well, actually, after reading the uh, or listening to the podcast, I started reading varieties of religious experience and had uh, just kind of recently finished um, Viktor Frankl's uh, Man's Search for Meaning recently. So I'm not really answering your question, but... <laughs> <laughs> if I were to, uh, um, yeah, a, a couple of things kind of spring out at me. And so the uh, reference to Kierkegaard's notion of, of drowning and possibility. And so in, in the podcast, they refer to how, you know, oftentimes anxiety is created with kind of too many decisions or, or too many possibilities. And then it, it kind of weaves for me, it, it's trying to kind of navigate through, you know, the notions of determinism and indeterminism. Uh, but at the end of the day, right, you know, is, is, is life worth living? And they mention how William James's response to that is, is maybe, and, and it's up to the liver. And, and uh, so how, 
you know, and, and I, I guess my response to it was, was like, well, you know, there, there is always the choice, right. Of, of not continuing on. So how do I, how do I not take that choice kind of thing? And, and how do I take that choice off the table? And what I kind of extracted from the podcast was that, you know, there, there are uh, possibilities beyond that, which, which I readily see in my daily life and the references to uh, William James talking about living on the surface of things and, and how, you know, kind of as a, a spiritual godson, I think they call him of Emerson and, and Thoreau and how, you know, in the, the mundane experience of life, we could extrapolate and enhance uh, in the nick of time, I guess. So I, I guess for me, if I were to give advice to a young person uh, who uh, may be questioning life's worth, uh, would uh, respond in that, you know, what more could you do in your life? And, and I like the, um, the mention of William James pointing out that do two things every day that you're uncomfortable with and, and how that, you know, may move towards, you know, a minimal amount of transcendence kind of thing. And, and I guess all of it kind of speaks to me. And, and so at the same time, reading uh, varieties of religious experience and, and, you know, are, are there different directions to, to find solace in, in, in life's purpose? And a lot of people go the spiritual route and, and uh, is, is philosophy just the other way to go, you know, going back to the Greeks or Stoics or, or whatever. And, uh, and uh, yeah, a lot <laughs> to unpack there for sure. So uh, yeah, so the, the maybes, uh, the possibilities of, of life uh, resonated with me as far as that being the answer to the question of is life worth living? And then kind of with that, the, the reference to Viktor Frankl and you know the, uh, the difference between uh, stimulus and response, that, that small space psychic space or whatever you want to call it of, of being able to make decisions that would improve the nick of time or improve life or whatever have you that kind of sums up my thoughts yeah and and i can imagine like the, that conversation that you're having with that young person uh would be they would have to join us for the walk uh there, there's a whole bunch of ideas that you talked about there that uh you know would require uh, them an opportunity to be able to ask you some questions and to probe a little bit deeper, because as you said, there's a lot to unpack there. Jacko, Captain Jack, what did you think of the podcast? Did you, did you take anything from it? Uh, and, you know, uh, if you were having a, an opportunity to share some thoughts with this young person, this uh, wounded seeking soul, wondering about the, the worth of life um, and, and if there's a place for philosophy in life, what are some things that you might share? Right. I mean, <clears throat> it's a big question, isn't it? But uh, I think the approach would have to be simple. So if someone said, you know, his life worth living, the, the answer is, of course it is. And who's saying it's not? Like, like where, are you, where are you getting this influence? And then I would say, you know, stop reading that. And, you know, a lot of it, uh, and part of it too, is in my situation, you know, I've got a, a teenage daughter. And so in my household, we have such conversations as this sort of nihilistic emo type thing is more and more, you know, normal for, for teenagers. Um, 
but I think one of the things we're talking about, nick of time and all that sort of thing, it's it's almost sort of too a, a double-edged sword in the fact that, yeah, you know, on one level, we're not here for very long. And the three of us, well, I, Daniel, son, I'm not sure about you. Uh, I know Steve is is getting up there in years, you know, and uh, <laughs> I'm not too far behind. But, uh, you know, to us, looking back, you know, the, the, there's not much time, right? It does seem like a flash, does it not? However, to young people, that's not the case. Um, you know, a day is an eternity sometimes to kids. And this is the weird thing about time. Um, and so one of the big things, I think, is that uh, the, to get over this impasse about is life worth living, just wait a week. You know, we have a saying in Texas, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. I mean, life is change. And Steve, you could go Buddhist on this, right? Is that the one thing you can be sure of is change, right? And so you do not want to try to turn a snapshot of reality into something eternal. So if things are not lining up now, if meaning is not there now, um, you, there's time. There's no hurry. I mean, you don't have to have your life figured out. You don't have to have God figured out. You don't even have to have meaning figured out. Because the simple fact is, as you live each day, whether you know it or not, you're coming toward meaning. Because you can't not get wisdom from experience. And so I think a lot of it is just don't worry too much. Don't, don't take it so seriously. I mean, life is there to be enjoyed. And I would also, you know, in fact, I do this in my classes. There are certain philosophies I don't really get into anymore. I don't do Nietzsche anymore and I don't do Sartre anymore for that purpose. It's like, um, you know, going back to the Greeks, philosophy is therapeia. If we're not using our noodles to find meaning, to make our lives happier, to make our societies happier, then what's the point? Um, so, so that's what I would say, not, not to trivialize but to be there to say, yeah, things might not look good now, but there's tremendous joy coming your way. So you can't think in those sort of absolutist terms of there's no meaning because, you know, life changes. In answers to this part of the question, is life worth living? You gave the, the, the affirmative, uh, enthusiastic yes, uh, which it seems William James wouldn't have done. It would be interesting to see if he was here, uh, what kind of response that there would be. But, you know, can philosophy pragmatically save my life? Um, interestingly enough, your answer is very Jamesian in that maybe, maybe if it's not Nietzsche at a certain point, um, but maybe, maybe if it's some other things. And, and I, I agree with you. I think that in terms of philosophy, uh, there is a, a time and a place for young minds to be exposed uh, to certain thoughts because the, the breadth of the, the thinking, if you, you rush, uh, you will miss things, you'll miss nuances of the thought. And uh, as, as you both know, I was very drawn to uh, Camus um, for a, a, a significant amount of time. And I found myself standing on the precipice of you know, that, that, that quest for meaning, um, persevering, uh, struggling uh, with, with, with you know, this need to be passionate and uh, pushing the boulder up the, the hill by myself. And it was overwhelming. It, it was too much. It, it didn't leave me uh, hopeful. Uh, it left me alone, feeling alone. And I found that for my uh, 
spiritual well-being, I needed to to move and shift. And and then that's where I I saw this this movement towards um, Buddhism. And uh, the one thing I feel like uh, some of this thinking was missing uh, in terms of Nietzsche, in terms of Sartre, in terms of Camus, is the idea of the, you know, what, what I'm saying here uh, is the uh, philosophical sangha, uh, the, the community, which is, you know, if we get back to the early Greek period, Captain Jack, you'd, you'd be identifying that it very much was a community enterprise. It was a, a community way of being uh, that people would come together and they are engaging in lively conversation. They were sharing, there was an exchange, it wasn't something that, that was done in isolation. And so, you know, uh, in terms of that question to that young person, um, you, you share that affirming yes. And in terms of philosoph philosophy, possibly uh, saving one's life, maybe, maybe. Well, I think, well, sorry, I, I, might, I don't want to jump uh, if if Daniel son had something, but I wanted to to react and, and 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 you know go with what you're saying, Steve. And I, you know, we are what we eat, right? We really are. And I think that also is um, in terms of intellectual and spiritual things. And so, you know, if we expose it, you know, Socrates talks about this. You know, um, if you give over your soul to to uh, someone who doesn't have your best interests in mind. We need to be very careful in the same way you wouldn't give over your body to a doctor with an ill repute, right? So what we take in, we really should be careful about going back to what you're saying about Nietzsche and stuff. And it's not like, you know, I would put Nietzsche on the index or something like that, right? Like in, you know, burn books, but um, there are, there's for everything, there's a season, right? Um, and just like, you're not going to you know, throw down trigonometry to, you know, fourth graders, we have to be ready for these, these sorts of things. So, um, yeah, it's like, there is hope. You just gotta, the irony is you've got to be alive to be able to, you know, get to the other side to see that in fact, there is hope. Yeah. That was, uh, something that, that, that hope, uh, piece was a, a big kind of, uh, piece of the, the puzzle for me moving away, um, from the, the absurdist thinking, because, you know, hope is something that's a very uh, important part of uh, that, that Buddhist way of thinking, that Buddhist tradition. And uh, was there something that you want to offer in the way of a reaction there, Daniel-san? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it just kind of, for me, it, it, it comes back to, anyway, I guess I just have Viktor Frankl on my mind and... Uh, so where, where do we, where and how do we find meaning? And uh, so the one, two, three of Viktor Frankl, so find meaning in work. Uh, number two is, is love and, and community. And then three is uh, when encountered with the inevitable suffering to, to find meaning in that. And uh, yeah, anyway, it was just, for, for me, it was just, it kind of exploded something in my mind, like, like realizing that. And, and I, I guess maybe in, in my own personal life and, and out of kind of two years of COVID and, and, you know, looking for something deeper to, uh, to resonate more with me as, as we uh, 
trudge along in our lives kind of thing. I appreciate, I think that the, the reason it's important to have a discussion with, you know, different people is so that you get different perspectives and you can eventually, you know, at a certain point go to sleep and you can kind of sleep on it and that we're, we're expanded because of that. And uh, I appreciate, you know, Jack's definite affirmative, yes, life is worth living and, and maybe philosophy could can play a part. And uh, but, you know, knowing that nobody has a monopoly on the truth, I can also appreciate William James's perspective where he, he is offering this, you know, maybe. And I think it's a maybe that goes along with some other thoughts and some of the other thoughts. It's like, you know, if if you're not living mindfully, if you're not living cautious, uh, consciously, then, then maybe the, the value of life really will be diminished. Right. And so this idea of like the examined life and I, you know, so it's like, you know, is life worth living William James, yeah, maybe, but and and then maybe means like sitting down and kind of thinking about it, percolating, you know, asking yourself, you know, what are the things that are of, of, of importance of of value, uh, things that can can give me meaning. We are meaning makers, and the idea of getting balance in that process too, and saying, okay, so you know, let's think, but let's not think too much um, because then you know we we might not be able to ever. Uh, relax and be in the moment and, and experience the community that's right in front of us. So I, I think, you know, in terms of the value of this podcast episode is that it is a question I think that we can all relate to. It's it's a question that many people are asking. I think, you know, uh, people are talking about possibly these are uh, nihilistic, narcissistic times that, uh, you know, if we're not careful, if we allow the algorithms to do all the thinking for us, uh, we might not arrive at a point where we're making the most of this nick in time. And uh, we might find ourselves very uh, at a point of great despair. And I think so. William James is encouraging us to think, uh, to go a little bit deeper uh, below the surface and uh, bringing up these really incredible, interesting ideas about living with zest you know, recognizing that, you know, uh, we can push ourselves like uh, second winds and that there there is wonder. And, you know, there was a point, Jack, I, I remember in a previous conversation, you were saying, like, I'm still not sure, Steve, how uh, William James saved uh, John Kegg. And so I listened to the, to the video, uh, to the uh, podcast again. And I think that the, the moment that he said that uh, William James really made a difference in his life is where he, I think he said he, he taught, he tarries with or tarried with uh, you know, the, the darkness and, and recognizing that, you know, um, there will be dark days and that is inevitable. And they, talking about this idea of uh, the misery being the one cornerstone of uh, our existence that we, we can all relate to. Um, and that uh, knowing that and, and being able to relate to that and then then recognizing if we think and, and we judge what is worth giving priority to, energy to, mindfulness to, that we can create a meaningful life with meaningful connections. And so I, I think that the, the question uh, is a valuable question. Yes. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, it, it just seems that implicit within it, in it all is, you know, being responsible for uh, how you how you feel really. And, and, uh, some, sometimes, uh, uh, life is a march of duty through dull, dark days. And, and, and that's when you have to roll up the sleeves and, and, and going back to, you know, a potential audience of, of youth, right. And, and making them realize that, that, uh, 
life is not what you see on Netflix or uh, whatever else or whatever YouTube video or whatever other distraction that, uh, and, and I think that's where uh, the benefit of, you know, perhaps a, a philosophy or uh, there's also inherent within that, as mentioned before, the, the danger in it and, and thinking too much and, and uh, uh, getting mired in, in trying to find meaning when, you know, how much meaning is there necessarily, I guess. I didn't really answer a question. I just maybe posed another one. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think what you're saying is, is very correct. It's like, you know, on one level, we can say, what's the meaning of life? Well, you know, should we question the meaning and all these sorts of things have these brooding discussions? Um, but otherwise, what? Life is the hedonistic treadmill, right? And life is nothing but distraction. Um, you know, so the examined life, yeah, as you were just saying, it does open doors. It can be dangerous because indeed when we start questioning, you know, we have to have that sense of skepticism to know something's not right in the first place, which then can lead to nihilism if we don't have a good guide, right? Just like, uh, you know, perhaps many substances, if not done right, can also, you know, like peyote evidently is not bad, but, you know, American kids are killing themselves on LSD all the time, you know, that kind of concept. So there's got to be a guide to the bottom of things, I think, in the sense that you can't recognize beauty if you don't understand tragedy. You'll never understand, you'll never have a meaningful life if you haven't confronted the precipice that there may not be any meaning. And so I think that is what, you know, the examined life is really all about. And I think philosophy can help in, in this regard, I'm going back again to the ancients, I, I kind of always do, but Socrates spoke of, of the, the purpose and value of philo uh, philosophy in three ways. One was therapy, therapeia, then was a healing of the soul. The idea was that um, we are all born sick, and it's through philosophy that we heal ourselves. Um, he also spoke of it as a cleaning the windows of the soul, in other words, to see things correctly, because again, it takes some jarring for us to see through Netflix, right? And one would hope that at some point, I, I, I'm sure, um, you know, Dan, you probably are aware, Steve as well, like my students, it's like, if you, I just wish you could just get through this social media, you know, distraction just for one minute to understand that life is, is something bigger than that. Um, and we need that. And philosophy can help clean the soul so that we're able to see distinctions. But then I think the, the, the third one that he spoke about was that, you know, philosophy is the, and the philosopher is the midwife to, to wisdom. It's not the replacement, right? So Socrates said, you know, I'm not offering anything. I'm pulling the wisdom out of people. And I think that's the crucial thing, right? I think very often St. Thomas Aquinas once said that, you know, philosophy points to the truth but human nature is to be stuck on examining the fingertip, right? And it's like, you don't want to necessarily subscribe to a school and be stuck in that school. Because like, Steve, you were saying before about um, over time, Camus and, and every philosopher, every human being, you know, evolves their perspective of the world over time. And so the later life and writings of Camus are different than the earlier ones. Um, but anyways... Yeah, so where was I really going with that? Um, 
Yeah, we, I think that's the thing about philosophy is it does help us to jar ourselves out of a uh, normal that we take for granted. Um, but it's also important not to let it just keep free falling, right? It's like, we've got to find, you know, a happy medium. Anyway. I, uh, I, I can't help but uh, want to share a thought about uh, the evolving thought of Camus. Um, I remember initially uh, a sense of being, uh, to, to be the absurd hero is to, to uh, stand on the precipice uh, with oneself. Um, you're you're, you're uh, very much uh, the lone wolf uh, doing, doing it alone. And then as uh, we, we move away from the myth of Sisyphus to the rebel, the, I noticed at the end of the, the book, uh, more of a reference to this idea of solidarity. And that started to get, I was started to get fascinated because for me, solidarity is, uh, well, you know, it's something, that, a word you use to describe people uh, who are sharing space, standing together. Um, you know, another great word would be community. And, and it feels like, that uh, his philosophy was moving in a, a certain direction that I think might have even surprised him and that it was moving in the direction of becoming more community-oriented, which means more uh, emphasis on connection. And so when we find young people maybe uh, feeling alone, wounded, uh, looking for uh, answers to the question, you know, is life worth living? And we, we share with them, you know, uh, be mindful of what you eat, you are what you eat. Um, it, it's also, you know, to uh, share the thought that, you know, the company that we keep is important too. And, you know, are we surrounding ourselves with um, optimistic, not Pollyanna, but, you know, optimistic, um, encouraging souls or are we finding ourselves digging a pit that just seems to get deeper every day that we spend time with one another and, and watch these various things that uh, there is no light in these things. And so we're, uh, you know, uh, drowning in a, in a, in a darkness. Um, so yeah, I, the, the idea that uh, Camus thought uh, might've been evolving in a different direction uh, is very exciting to me. I'm, I, I find myself always wanting to kind of, with everything that we're sharing, go back to that original question and imagine that we're on that walk together. And I'm trying to think of some of the things that we might've shared with that young person. You know, being a father myself, I'm always very interested in the curriculum of what I'm calling the 21st century. What are the, the core competencies that we need to share with our young people so that they will be equipped to function in a constantly changing world where technology is playing a bigger and bigger role. And I imagine that young person walking with us and the, the young person asks the question, feeling maybe a little despairing, feeling like that the world is a little nihilistic, a little narcissistic and thinking about, you know, um, what can I do to make life meaningful? And, and so far, uh, while this young person is walking with us, we've encouraged the young person to be mindful of what you eat. We've, we've brought up the, uh, uh, the issue of responsibility that, uh, you know, you play a part in you know, fashioning the direction of your life and, and, and considering and exploring and experimenting with uh, what's going to give you meaning and uh, be mindful, um, you know, in terms of this uh, peripatetic opportunity, uh, you know, where we can walk together, be mindful of who you're um, having this walk with, because that's going to be uh, very important. Um, is there anything else that, you know, 
we as we kind of encourage this young person to be aware of that that, that life is nothing but a nick of time but yet it's still a precious you know it's a privileged moment as Camus would say is there any other things that we we need to kind of share uh, with with this young person I, I think uh, well I'll just kind of relate a story so uh, uh, I don't know if Jack knows this but in 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 most of Canada uh, a week and a half ago uh, Rogers communications went down and, and so uh, our college was was completely out so no Wi-Fi in the classroom no phones for most of them and and it was just I had I had this moment where um, for the first time in I don't know uh, 15 years where I had a, a classroom full of students that were not plugged in and, and I was like oh my goodness <laughs> what am I gonna do <laughs> and uh, and so one of the students who had a, a bell, phone and so got the email from the college that said that all classes are canceled and we were kind of halfway through the lesson and I'm like well I have nowhere else to be and and I was encouraged in that you know even though they couldn't go on to their laptops or phones they were still willing to stay and 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 I think uh so going back to the question, Steve, is, you know, what, what I would ask and, and what I do ask my students is, uh, you know, how, how are you spending your time? And, you know, in what you do spending your time, is, is that adding to satisfaction in, in your life? And, and not to in any way try to judge what they do, but just kind of ask that question. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't know about uh, the experience with, with you guys, but uh, well, I know with Steve for sure, but you know there there's more and more uh, challenges with uh, mental health uh, with with young people, and that you know so I've been teaching at the college 15 years, and and you know mental health issues are you know ramping up as as well as something I was reading this morning is uh, the stat was 48 percent of Canadians have a literacy level lower than high school so so there's you know how how can you uh suggest philosophy if if you don't have kind of high literacy uh, amongst young people so going back to what Jack says you know like then necessarily making it it's simple and and as digestible and and sound bites or whatever the case may be. So, so those were my thoughts there. And, and those are thoughts that are kind of uh, perennially with me. And, and I, I uh, in, in a sense, my goal is not to be a grumpy old teacher before my time kind of thing and, and, and trying to understand these things and, and try to uh, kind of ease uh, young people towards, you know, a, a simple, quite simply just a, a different approach perhaps than you know defaulting to uh whatever it is they they spend most of their time on and and i think we all know what they spend most of their time on yeah no i i gotta say dan i i absolutely hear you and first of all i there's a lot of people down here when y'all lost uh internet it was supposed to be the chinese shooting down satellites so i'm glad it wasn't that right um, but no, you know, it's interesting. I mean, uh, for a project I'm currently working on, I went back and I've been reading some Greek drama and I was reading the frogs this morning. Um, and, uh, Aristophanes 
And in there, the, the ghost of Aeschylus, one of the uh, uh, more traditional uh, tragedians in, in Athens, was lamenting about the current state of the affairs of the Athenian youth, saying that they're weak, they don't work hard, they don't understand anything, and they can't follow through. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> you know, so, but there has to be, I think, something we're talking about. And, you know, I teach philosophy, and there's a point at which I know my, my administration wants everything to be sound bited down to bumper stickers. So everybody, you know, gets 45 minutes of great bumper stickers and then they're out the door. And that's, you know, that's kind of where we're going. Um, but like anything, if it's good, it takes some work. And so, for instance, uh, you know, I, I make my students read a couple of full dialogues because my own children don't read full books anymore. Everything is paragraphs here and there. And then your interpretation based on an iota. So, I mean, part, I think, of happiness and meaning really is keeping our mouth shut and listening. Right. And a lot of that listening does come from books. I don't understand why people think, well, I'm an experiential learner. Well, you're experiencing an intellectual conversation. I mean, those guys are dead. Yes. But nevertheless, that, too, is an experience. So I think part of it, if, again, the student or the, the, the young person were walking with us, I would encourage them to, you know, understand that you don't have the answers and that sometimes not amusing ourselves, but rather listening to where wisdom is, is a very important and crucial aspect of finding meaning. So I would throw that in there too. But like you said, Dan, it makes you seem like the grumpy old teacher. Ah, the kids these days. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think too that uh, I appreciate uh, Captain Jack, you sharing that, you know, um, the, the invitation to recognize that maybe, you know, the young person uh, doesn't have uh, the answers and to just kind of be mindful of that. I think we also have to uh, communicate the the idea, the notion that you're not expected to have the answers because I, I do think that there's some uh, messaging that young people are getting that that they need to have things figured out. You know, they mm -hmm. they need to know what are you going to do with your life, and you, you you need to have a sense of of direction. And I think we need to normalize that uh, it's okay. And 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 as you said, uh, there's time, and we need to immerse ourselves in you know the book or these discussions. So I imagine ourselves going back to uh, this moment of having this interaction with the young person and the I would sense the wrong thing to do would be to give them a soundbite answer. The wrong thing to do would be to give them the impression that in an hour long walk that they're going to have the answer. And we'd have to invite them and have a conversation that they would then recognize is ongoing and continuous and that's okay and it's part of a process and we don't just find ourselves but we find ourselves again just like Camus might have found himself again and just like when we were young uh, souls becoming adults and we thought we had this sense of who we were and we did but then we became uh, we, we found ourselves in these loving long-term relationships and then we found ourselves again in terms of that dynamic and then um, for you and myself Jacko with with uh, with children in our lives, finding ourselves yet again 
and yet again and yet again and then just normalizing that this this is an ongoing process i i think the one thing i would like to uh, encourage the the young person in this uh, situation that we're kind of uh, imagining to invite them to to find something that they might be passionate about to read and to read uh, to pick up a pen and a paper and to write and to let that which is in pour out and not always you know, put things into us, put this song into us or watch this video that we, we give more opportunity for expressive moments uh, because we are losing out as a community, as a society on this untapped potential, this, th this wisdom that's just waiting to be discovered. And uh, the, the whole idea of rushing to things and trying to nicely put them in packages that can just be passed from one person to another i, I think that th there are real dangers in that um so uh and, yeah steve if i could jump on there for a second on, on something that you were just talking about i don't mean to interrupt though um but you're talking about expression and i would i would i would kind of clarify or, or, or make a bit of a distinction i think that we live in times of tremendous expression but i think what is needed is thoughtful expression like we don't need to go on facebook with our rants and on social media with our rants um i think if anything slowing down and sort of pumping the brakes to think it's not the fact that you know i'm going to speak what's on my mind i mean any fool can do that i think what's more important is that we have something thoughtful and worthwhile mm -hmm. to say and that sometimes takes time um like, and that's a whole social thing and, and infrastructure thing. I don't know what it's like up there, but down here, for instance, they pretty much want to have students declare what their careers are going to do be by the time they're in the eighth grade. Um, they have high school kids now do dual credit. I don't know if you guys do that up there. So basically you can walk out of the 12th grade with almost a college degree. And it's all about careers, careers with no thought about, you know, taking the time to really know who we are. And I think, you know, this, this sort of thing, it makes money obviously for, for corporations and for uh, bureaucracies, but taking time, there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, when you're in the, I get, you know, freshman students that you don't know what the word Rome means, maybe it's okay that we don't judge them on their opinion of something just yet, <laughs> right? That it's okay to, you know, keep walking for an hour a day until we figure things out. Anyway, slow things down a little bit. Yeah, we're in agreement there in terms of this idea of expression. And 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 I, I would definitely be pointing to like a uh, an expression based on the deliberation and, and the difference between um, journaling my feelings and expressing is different than uh, popping out a tweet. And the idea right. of the journal is it's, it's more a, a discussion that I'm having with myself as I discover myself, as I create myself at the at simultaneously at the same time. And it, once again, you know, we're back to kind of James's maybe, um, maybe life is worth living if we sit down and we take some deliberate, thoughtful um, time to explore ourselves and, uh, as we create ourselves, express ourselves, um, but not necessarily uh, rushing to uh, the world of social media to uh, put things out there and and uh, to be a little bit hasty in the process, and perhaps things uh, things might might backfire.
Um, there was, you know, there was two specific questions. I, I wanted to make sure that during this discussion, I value uh, both of your uh, thoughts. I value your time. I'm hoping that with the young person that's joining us on this walk, that they would have a sense that they're being valued. Um, because I think that's a, a big part of the, uh, the, the way of answering the question that they're coming to us with is, is life worth living, that they would feel respected. And so um, I really respect both of you. And, and I, I tried to create a, a question specifically for both of you. Um, and, you know, you might not be as interested <laughs> in the question I'm posing for you uh, than I am. Uh, but my question, I'm going to start off with you, uh, Captain Jack. Uh, you know, we've had a number of discussions about free will, uh, many discussions. And, and you know, you kind of arrived at a point where uh, I think, you know, you're going to tap out. Um, so in terms of the freedom of will uh, discussion, I think you've arrived at a, at a similar place to James, um, you know, that you can have these long conversations and continue to think as you stand on the precipice and, and never arrive at, you know, a conclusion. Um, or you could quite pragmatically do what William James did and say, well, you know what, my first act of free will is to believe in it, done. Um, and, and I want to ask, you know, like, you know, how did you how did you get there? Because, you know, for me, I've been caught up in this kind of uh, constant thought of experiment of me and Sam Harris having a discussion and Sam Harris saying to me, you know, Steve, if you wind back time and then you push play, just so you know, you're going to arrive right back here where we are right now having this conversation and, and, and for me, you know, if given that opportunity for whatever reason, like that's just not a bet I'm willing to make uh, intuitively. I'm, a, I'm like, you know, I do want to get back to this point, Sam. And I know that you're quite passionate uh, about this idea that it couldn't be any other way, but I'm not, I'm not willing to, to play that game. Um, and ever, after having a number of discussions with you, uh, my sense is, you know, you see the whole conversation as pointless uh, for more than one reason. Maybe, you know, that's the point that you've arrived and it was worth deliberating at one point. Um, and, and one of the reasons you might think that it's pointless now is like, you know, you can never run the experiment. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, in terms of your relationship with the discussion of uh, free will, uh, where where did it start and, and where are you now? Because I think you've come to a very pragmatic place. Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it's fascinating as you, uh, you neuroscience opens up so much more uh, understanding, you know, causes of behavior, right? Um, as does psychology. I mean, we could even talk about determinism in terms of, you know, Marx and class and economic structure, all that kind of stuff. Um, but like you said, how do you do an experiment? Uh, so we can talk all day long about whether, you know, we have free will or I'm determined, you know, um, the, the algorithms in my brain, you know, are, are telling me I need a cup of coffee. Sure. You know, all the factory senses evidently create love these days, they're saying, right? So really love is nothing but an odor. Um, and I mean, if we want to, to buy that, I mean, I'm sure it's sort of like this, right? Um, neuroscience can tell us as soon as I decide I'm going to lift my hand. And so I move my hand, we can do MRIs and imaging, and you can look at synapses and you can look at messaging going through neurons, and the whole nine yards, but there still is the, I am going to move my arm 
before it becomes real. And that cannot be measured. So someone's going to say, like Sam Harris, that's not the comedian guy, is it, by the way? No, no. <laughs> no oh. um, so, you know, you say, well, you know, if we went back to the Big Bang, then moving forward would be the same. How could you ever know that unless you're God? And then if you are God, boom, then there's a God, we're good to go. Uh, either way, I will never know. No one will ever know. And eventually the conversation will have to be sh cut short because I got to go to work. And I got to choose to go to work. And if I tell my boss, hey, by the way, I'm determined not to come in and it's not my fault, I'm going to get fired. So to me, I mean, that, that sort of metaphysical stuff when I was younger was interesting to think about. Um, however, now I'm far more interested in ethics. So that, that's kind of, I just got to the point where it doesn't really matter what I think because I still have to make choices. <laughs> So, so would you say that even asking that determinist question is kind of a, a privileged luxury in itself that uh, not, not everyone's even able to kind of uh, explore that because uh, you got to get to work and you got to pay the bills. I, I think, yeah, I think it does kind of get into that territory then too, doesn't it? Is that there's a point at which it does take leisure um, in order to entertain such questions. Absolutely. Okay. So just cutting through it, and uh, getting to that pragmatic, uh, pragmatic point of, you know, um, th this, this could be a never ending conversation. And the fact is, we can't run the experiment. Um, right. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. always curious to see what uh, uh, Sam Harris would say. Um, thank you. Uh, so for the young person uh, that's following us along in terms of any thoughts they might have about determinism, uh, we would be suggesting, you know, there's going to be a point where you are going to have to decide if this is going to be a priority discussion for you, how much you're going to time you're going to spend on it. But at some point, you might find out that you have to get to that part time job so you can pay for your tuition so that you can get your degree so that you can finally have some of those other things that the life script suggests is going to be bringing you some happiness. Um, thanks, Jack. Uh, so Daniel son. Uh, you shared with me, and it was such a, a wonderful file, uh, summarizing some of your thoughts from uh, this uh, podcast that we all listen to independently. And uh, in your personal sharings, you shared that you were interested in the idea of doing two, new, uh, William James's idea of doing two new things every day. And that uh, Keg stated, it was an invitation by James for us to uh, embrace so that we can wake up and move away from just living on the surface. Um, would you like to speak to that a little bit more? Yeah, it's funny. A lot of things come to, screaming into my brain uh, when you say that. And uh, so if, if the young person is uh, walking along with us and uh, um, yeah, there's, I, I just feel more and more in, in the context of, you know, carrying this message to a young person. And uh, um, so we're, uh, we're coming near the end of the semester and in one class I teach where they do oral presentations. And so I, I must necessarily uh, discuss, uh, you know, we kind of spitball uh, a bit on, you know, why uh, a student would feel anxious or fearful because more and more they feel that way. And, and so I, I feel it, it's something that, that I need to address 
and and so I, I try to couch it in, in you know the notion of you know I, I I I think I quite plainly put the question to them you know think about your greatest accomplishments in, in life and and you know what preceded you achieving that and what was the uncomfortable aspect of it and you know it, it's hard to draw that out of them uh, because as we've been discussing it, it's hard to access that kind of internal dialogue when you're always trying to uh, distract yourself so it, so it's it's difficult on that level but um, you know it, it's it's a really good uh, lesson uh, and, and so I, I try to couch it and you know th this is you know 10 minutes of your life and, and put it in the context of you know the, the short time that we're here on on the earth kind of thing and, and you know what fraction that is of their life etc and so I, I try to have fun with it but ultimately it's yeah it's if you're if you're uncomfortable with it you should be uncomfortable and and how and I, I like that challenge of of William James of, you know, doing things uh, outside your, your comfort zone. And, and for me, the, the, the one thing that I, I want to do more in my life is, is to write more and kind of nurture my creative side. But yet, you know, I have to go to work. I have to, <laughs> I, have to I have to pull the weeds out of the garden and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so it's, it, it gets to be uncomfortable, like, you know, picking up the the thousand pound uh, pencil or pen right and but yet once I do that then it's easy going after that and and it's a real it's a good lesson in uh, in practicing that and there there was something I read recently where um, how uh, people that that use the pronouns I and me more regularly than others have a higher chance of heart heart disease <laughs> Kind of thing. And I don't know how they collected that data, but uh, uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and maybe it, it, it circles back to, you know, that which we've mentioned before of, you know, a, a, a man or, or a woman or a person on, on their own trying to deliberate in uh, the philosophical realm uh, would be wise to have a guide with them kind of thing. And, uh, or a community. And uh, so, yeah, so, so the, you know, doing the two things uh, that you're not comfortable doing is, uh, it's, it's something that I would, I would suggest to the young person uh, walking along uh, with us on our peripatetic. I always thought of peripatetic in terms of uh, like an adjective to describe walking around. I guess that's what it is. But Jack said Aristotelian, but uh, I guess it's both. Well, yeah, it's just because they, evidently the, the name came from the nickname. They nicknamed Aristotle guys the walkers. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. So now it, it's, when you hear peripatetic, you usually think, oh, it's, you know, it's a university philosophical discipline, you know, right. but it comes from walking around. They just walked around. Oh, okay, cool. I think uh, the, the invitation uh, from James is uh, to be on guard against the possibility of living life on autopilot, right? And once again, we kind of get back to this idea of uh, the examined life, uh, once again, a, a balanced and, and check, a checked approach uh, to uh, living mindfully and, and not um, overdoing it, uh, overthinking. 
And, and if we do things, uh, two new things per day, or, you know, you even identify, it doesn't have to be two, two new things per day, but it could be something you, you're already doing, but you just do it differently, right? So if you're going to go to work and you take route A, maybe you take route B, you know, you're, you're still going to work, but you're just taking a little bit of a slightly different route. And maybe it can kind of wake us up to things. It can keep us kind of uh, in, in the moment. Uh, so we're not too much in the past and we're not too much into the future. So, you know, kind of coming to, to the end. So, uh, you know, I, I imagine we're walking with this person. Hopefully this person has felt listened to. Um, hopefully this person feels valued. Uh, hopefully this person feels respected and hopefully in the process uh, we we've had those uh, same feelings we've we've shared the idea of uh, you know being mindful about you know you are what you eat you you are the company um, that you keep and perhaps there there are these different invitations uh, recognizing that you know there is a responsibility uh, for us to do things so that we can make life meaningful not living on automatic pilot, it can it could include reading a, a work from beginning to end, uh, so that we develop our attention. Because if we're going to be making big life altering choices, we we got to be able to have the uh, attention span to stay focused on the task at hand and and follow through with whatever the solutions might be. Uh, we're going to invite them to thoughtfully express positions and thoughts, and not quickly you know uh, run to maybe. Um, Facebook or to Twitter, maybe do um, some journaling. We're going to encourage them to recognize that um, they, you know, while they might know that they don't have the answers, that uh, they're not expected to have the answers, um, that uh, this is all a process and we're going to come back to finding ourselves again and again, and that there's certain tools if we have them will help us and uh, doing it in a loving community is going to be really helpful. Um, so let's just imagine uh, we've shared some time. It, this wasn't a soundbite conversation with the young person. Uh, we're we're also adding whatever disclaimer that we need to. That we are, no one here has a monopoly on the truth. We're just offering three different two eyeball perspectives about um, the way in which life could be meaningful. Uh, so I, I've just shared with the young person those final thoughts, and the young person is getting ready to leave our company. And uh, we each now have our final, uh, the two of you in each, each have your final salutations with this young person. Um, what would be uh, your thoughts about uh, that final parting moment, uh, Captain Jack? Um, I guess I would ask if they could come help me uh, fix my truck. <laughs> no, I'm serious. In this regard, uh, sort of, I guess, going a little back to challenging things and different things. You know, uh, chop wood and hear water. Um, seriously, like my daughter, whom I want to get her off of the internet things, I invite her always to my projects, my little missions. I'm always fixing the fridge, the truck, something. And I get my son involved and you get a sense of flow. Sometimes you learn something totally different. And sometimes it's good to not dwell. And just, you know, get out there and enjoy the simplicity of life. You know, something as, as simple as the challenge of an exhaust system in my 85 Blazer. Okay, so yours would be a, an invitation for possibly an ongoing relationship. And, and it would be like, hey, um, I got a truck to fix. And I want to invite you, like other young people, you're mentioning um, your, your daughter to maybe move away 
from uh, the world of uh, screens and then to engage with real people in real time, doing something new and uh, building community and learning in the process. Um, Absolutely. Daniel said, what would be uh, your uh, parting words for this young person? I guess as a, as an English teacher, I would uh, offer suggestions on a book to read and uh, uh, put a challenge to the young person and uh, even uh, be willing to uh, discuss whatever book they chose uh, as they go through it as, a, as an incentive. Uh, so, because I mean, I know in, in my experience, I, I, I've done informal surveys to discover that reading is not uh, high on the list of priorities, as, as we've mentioned, and how um, there are a lot of benefits from it. Increased humility, empathy, etc. That's what I would suggest. Maybe yeah. not uh, Aristotle's uh, uh, Nicomachean. I never knew how to pronounce that. Nicomachean. No. It all depends. I mean, you know, because <laughs> all the ancient Greeks are dead, so you do your best. I always say Nicomachean. Nicomachean. I, I, I read that in a classical uh, lit class, and I don't remember any of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's one of the greatest books you'll ever read. Oh, yeah? No, seriously, I have inculcated my own children with portions of it. Oh, okay. It's all about it. Actually, seriously, maybe now that uh, from your perspective now, you might enjoy it. But it's uh, I, I incorporate a lot of that wisdom in my classes and stuff. That book hmm. is largely about how to make good decisions and how to habituate yourself to make good decisions. If you took Aristotle off of it and changed it into like modern newspeak, it would probably be a bestseller. Oh, wow. I may have to revisit it. No, seriously. And it's short, too. It's yeah. only about like 40 or 50 pages. So. Right. I know it's really good. Hmm. Cool. Hey. Well, um, thank you, gentlemen. I think uh, my, one of my very last thoughts with the young person would be uh, just to, to remind them that uh, it, it's hard to be healthy in this world, uh, but not impossible. And uh, in, invite them to be mindful uh, that may the the choices they make be the best ones possible in the moments that they meet, uh, because uh, all we can do is the best we can and uh, keep trying and cre uh, keep learning. And uh, I hope that uh, we would have done our part um, so much so that uh, the young person would say, you know what, maybe we can have another conversation again at a different point in the future. And then maybe we would uh, be uh, seeing some small sign of success in that uh, we made a little bit of a difference for for that young soul. So yeah, it's been a pleasure having the two of you at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. It's been fun. And I'm hoping, you know, possibly we could do it again. And uh, thank you for joining me for this uh, blithering conversation, Daniel Sun and Captain Jack. Indeed, Steve, it was great. Thanks for um, organizing it. Thanks, guys. Peace. Peace out.